Welcome everyone to Not Alone Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this show. If you are listening using the Anchor app, please consider subscribing. This way you can also receive notifications as to when new podcasts are released. And if you are using other platforms, please continue sharing with friends and family after each episode is released. Thank you for joining us and let's listen to the show. Today, I want to introduce my friend Crystal, mm-hmm. and I just want to say thank you so much for um, being here to share your testimony with us, mm-hmm. and for being willing to be so vulnerable, mm-hmm. and also courageous, and so, yes, hello. Hi. <laughs> you are Thanks here with us. Thanks for having me. I yes. appreciate it. It's so good to have you here. Yeah. It's good to be here. I like listening to your podcast, and so it's fun to be a part of it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. God is always doing something. He is. Yeah. yeah. Always. Okay, so where do you want to start your journey or your story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that in praying about what to share, and I remembered a dream that I had recently where I just felt like the Lord wanted me to share my story and you had said something about if you ever wanted to share you can Mm -hmm. come on the podcast and then I was reminded uh through that dream that I had a a man speak a word over me uh, quite a few years ago in Tulsa and he said get your story on tape get your story on cd write it out speak it out um you have something valuable to share and you need to believe that you have something valuable to share and share it. And so um, I felt a little convicted because I've shared in pieces with people individually. I've um, shared a little bit of my story. I was thinking about that today. I um, got to share my story with a couple of uh, journalists when I met my dad for the first time. I I met him when I was 17 for the very first time in my life. And then uh, we, we didn't stay connected. And then again, I met him when I was 40. And I just went on this, you know, when you turn 40, you get like nostalgic and thoughtful. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to do a 40 day before 40 journey. And I wrote and blogged every day. Um, And then I I realized, oh, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting older. I wonder, um, I I wonder if I have grandparents. And like, I I just kind of, my dad kind of came back into my Uh, my story and I uh, reconnected with him so that story has been written and talked about and I um, I was thinking about that and I thought well that's awesome I I actually had a chance to do that Um, and I I I was thinking about well there's 50,000 different ways you could share your story and different themes or different um, things that you could share from your heart and I was like well I want to honor people and I'm definitely come a long way in the healing journey and so what would give God glory and um, that was just I just kept coming back to being faithful to that word that was spoken over me that I have something valuable to share and I should share it and yes um yeah so I mean I I grew up not in a Christian home so my mom had me I was born out of wedlock, and so I didn't know my dad growing up. So that was part of that journey. And then um, it's a 
Man, I could tell offshoots of stories off of my stories and yeah. keep you occupied for hours. And uh, yeah. and it, it's such a cool story, the story of my dad. But I feel like it has already been written, so I don't necessarily want to focus on that. But wanted to highlight just this sense of like um, loss, you know, not having a dad growing up, and then and then finding him, and then reconnecting, and just building that story. It's been uh, really cool. Can I can I ask you how, how how did you find him? Um, yeah, so it's funny. Uh, there was um, well, my I, growing up, I always knew that um, I had a dad, of course, but I didn't know who he was. But my mom always said what it, who his name was, and he was blonde and blue eyed. That's all she knew. And then one day she was uh, cleaning house for somebody, and it happened to be an old drinking buddy who was who that in that little party that she conceived me in. <laughs> and so um, she, she just said, oh, hey, do you know, um, are you still connected with um, James? And so I, uh, that's how the, uh, my mom got the phone number. And then I was like, she told me about it and I was curious and we kind of connected. But uh, at that time, you know, you, you pop somebody who comes out of nowhere and, and, um, his, his wife at the time and them, they were just kind of like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? Is is how I remember it. And, you know, everybody has their own side to the story as well. But I just remember we didn't go very far with it because they, when they wanted to do DNA testing and uh, just to be sure, and that makes valid sense. And, um, but back then that was really expensive and right. no go. So we just left it. And I was about 14 at the time, I, I think. And then years later, I was scanning through, I, I loved looking through the local paper and I saw, um, you know, his name and the photographer. And he, I, my mom had mentioned he was a photographer and I saw the phone number like, hmm, I wonder if that's my dad. And I'm like, mom, do you still have that number? And so she's like, yeah, I do. So she looked at looked it up and it was the same number I'm like hmm I think this could be my dad so I actually went to the <laughs> I sleuthed it I went to the post office I looked up his address uh and found the the postal code and then um and then I I, I can't remember if I called directory and asked oh I, that's what I did I had the phone number I called uh, 311 information or whatever it was and then got an address and then went to the post office got a postal code and then wrote him a letter and then we started connecting that way wow yeah it was pretty cool um but then I was young I was 17 I freaked out about the whole meeting him and and everything and just kind of let it be and we never stayed connected we met uh twice briefly and then uh, just let it be until I was 40 so that's how that journey, and then when I was 40, um, there was, you know, by then there's Facebook and there's yeah. Ancestry and DNA and all of that, and it's yeah. easier to access, and and it just happened to be uh, that we had mutual friends who were Christians, and so I, yeah, it just was, it was kind of one of those bang, 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 hey, uh, let's meet, and, and then, hey, we should introduce you to her grandmother, and I was like, hey, wait a second, let's time out, let's just make sure that you're my dad, <laughs> so then I was, I, I was like, ah, I'm, I'll, I'll pay for a DNA test, and, and then it was more affordable, and of course, I was working, so it was, it was not a big deal, so, 
and you know when it came back is greater than 99.99 percent that he's your biological father i thought Ooh, yeah <laughs> it was no doubt anyhow that i was um i was part of the family i look a spitting image of my grandmother my grade 12 picture actually looks like her wedding day picture wow. like we look um quite a bit the same so that wasn't i was just like well i, I don't know if i'm going to be you know, calling you dad or uncle, because he's like, well, maybe you're my brother. <laughs> it was one of those funny stories where, you know, when you're young and you're partying, and, well, yeah. I don't know, actually, because I never I never actually went down that road of partying and alcohol and all of that, so I, but I understand that, that drinking scene and how it can be. I had a lot of grace for it, I think, to just really realize that they made choices that weren't great, right. but out of it became a result of me being in the yes. picture, and I'm yes. super thankful for the journey even though you know growing up you know I was born in 74 so when you grow up in the 80s and I remember being in like this class grade two or some some one of the classes where they were asking what your ancestry was and I'm like I have no idea Aww. right because you go by your father right. and some so I was like hmm what does my grandpa say that he is so I just like I'm Irish <laughs> I don't, and because that's what grandpa always said, he was Irish. Funny thing is now, uh, now that we're doing ancestry stuff, I don't even know how much Irish we have in us. So, it was, so, it was enough to go on. Yeah, and you know, it was so interesting because right now in this time period where people are searching for their identity, yeah. and they're uh, identifying as this or that or the other thing. And so it's kind of interesting that even back then as a young child wondering, well, what are my roots and who is my dad and what ancestry did I come from? Those questions were in my heart even as a young, like, I don't know, I think it was even six, eight years old. I was always asking questions. Um, maybe I'm a little bit more bent that way, though, too, because I love the whole genealogy thing in my family. So, and, and I have, you know, other stories, too, like where um, my sister uh, was given up for adoption when uh, at birth. And, wow. and I got to meet her when I was 24. Wow. Um, so she, we were separated and, um, you know, I got to grow up with my mom, but my sister was given up for adoption. And when I met her, I just remember thinking like, like this is the stuff that they make movies out of, you know, um, wow. just finding her and then being a part of her life. And so it, it's been very interesting to go that genealogical route and like wondering about your family roots, yeah. knowing that I didn't know my dad, I didn't know my sister, and now I've met them both. Wow. And it's it was really cool to meet my sister. I had the craziest butterflies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like... Like gut wrenching, like oh, like driving down the street to go. We went, we met at West Simmonton Mall. Was it was the age difference between you two? Yeah, she's five years younger than I am. Okay, yeah, so do you remember? Like, do you remember your mom being pregnant? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I do. do you remember? I was five, but I still remember. I actually remember going to the hospital. We were at the Royal Alex, and my aunt was helping roll my mom down the. I, I actually remember being in the tunnels in wow. the yes. underneath Royal Alex. And then I remember sitting outside on a bench with my auntie. And then I was like, where's my baby sister? Like, you know, yeah. just asking those questions, wondering where she was. So um, so I was always, always wondered about her as well. Yeah. So what was that like? You, Your mom has the baby and then mm -hmm. you don't actually get to see the baby. 
Yeah, I never got to see her. Did they explain um, to you anything? Well, or? I mean, I was five, I'm sure they explained, but I, I didn't understand. I, I asked a lot. I, I remember asking when my sister was born, I remember asking a lot about my dad and my sister. Okay. And so, yeah, and I mean, when you're five, my mom's answers were simple, and it makes sense because you, you give answers to kids that are appropriate for their age, and so it was a simple answer. Uh, well, we... we you know, mom couldn't afford to, to keep her. And we, I grew up on welfare and like low income family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wasn't until God came into my life and, um, and I met Jesus, which, you know, was a family thing. My mom was married at the time. We were invited to a church. Um, and I remember like, just, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Like, that's it. It was, was there like an altar call? Yeah, it was or? an altar call. And it was uh, Ken Solbrecken at Faith Cathedral Church. And I, you know, I can't, I think it was 1985. Because um, I was, I was 10 going on 11. But I, and I always thought I was 12 when I tell this story before. But I, um, yeah, I'd, and, and I just remember being really like, this is it. I'm, this, this is what I need to do. And I don't remember saying a prayer or anything, but I remember going forward at the altar call. It was really cool. So, I mean, when we gave our lives to Jesus, everything kind of just changed, you know, from, uh, like, I I also was, like, sexually abused as a young child. And so, oh, so um, yeah, and, and, you know, I was thinking about, you know, you don't want to traumatize people when you tell your story, but there are things that need to be shared that um, just, you know, just saying that alone mm -hmm. used to, like, I used to feel so much shame and so scared. Just I like I couldn't say it. I couldn't even be in a room with somebody else who had been, <clears throat> excuse me, abused, knowing that they'd been abused. Like I, I ended up being a part of this small group at my church where for healing. And I remember thinking every time I saw any of those women in the church, I was like, oh no, everybody knows. And I felt like I had this neon sign on my mm -hmm. head that was like, abused, abused, abused. And like, I just, yeah. Ugh, so much shame, 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 yes, shame, shame. But I think that's why, like that little bit of thought process you had before a couple of minutes ago where mm -hmm. you had said, you know, you didn't really want to talk about it. Yeah. In case it bothered other people. But I think... Did I get that right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So I do see that, but the other, the reality of that mm -hmm. is it keeps you in chains to a degree and it keeps you stuck in that shame cycle. And the reality is so many women have been sexually yes. abused. Huge. So I think when you can be vulnerable and you can talk about it, it opens up doors of healing, streams of healing. Even if it doesn't happen immediately for somebody, mm -hmm. it's going to at least start the process or, you know, God works in all kinds of mysterious ways. But he'll do something with it. You know? Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. I, you know, at first I didn't, I didn't see it that way. And it was part of, it was about me and my healing journey. And then it came to a place in my journey telling my story and, um, you know, and, and knowing that, like, so I didn't have my dad in my life, and then the man that did come into my life and, and, and took that role for a short period of time um, took advantage of it. And so that was that was horrible, yes, you know? And terrible. then there, there was other abuses that happened that were about sexual abuse that, you know, like, I don't... I don't um, feel that shame anymore and I don't have... I've had so much counseling and inner healing and worked really hard at just, like... Um, reading books and um, I don't know um, most of all just having that that um, that support system from other people who've gone through that experience and being able to pray with people share the story 
um, I, I love actually, I was thinking I had uh, come across some quotes from Brené Brown. She talks about shame and shame hates it when she says this, shame hates it when we reach out and tell our story. It hates having words wrapped around it. It can't survive being shared. Shame loves secrecy. When we bury our story, the shame mastizes. Like it grows. Yes. And, but when, but then she says, if we're going to find our way out of shame and back to each other, vulnerability is the path and courage is the light. To set down those lists of what we're supposed to be is brave. To love ourselves and support each other in the process of becoming real is perhaps the greatest single act of daring greatly. That's uh, out of one of her books, Brené Brown says. So I just, I started to learn that to share my story was really powerful. Yes. It was powerful healing for my own self, but it opened and unlocked other people to be able to share their stories as well. Yeah, and that is like such a key. Such a key. So many people are trapped yeah and stuck in quiet and stuck in that silence and that shame so yeah. i'm so thankful yeah today and, right now you're willing to be so vulnerable thank you and courageous like yeah like, <laughs> like that was talking about, says, you know you know to be courageous you know um i i i took a couple of screenshots of, of some of her quotes and one other one she says is if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding shame can't survive and, you know, I really experienced that in, in some of my counseling, um, in some of the small groups that I did. When you start to meet people who have similar stories or an aspect of the story that um, they understand, or if, even if they're just willing to listen. Because there was one woman who helped out leading the group, and she had not been sexually abused, yet she had such a heart of compassion to listen and hear and empathize that uh, she was a huge part of my healing journey. Wow. Yeah. How many years did the abuse happen for you? Mm. Um, it was kind of on and off for, I was six, seven. Um, it stopped when I was eight. Um, an incident happened and, and kind of got kind of caught or whatever, but then nothing ever came of that. And it wasn't until years later, actually, when I was in my healing journey, I was actually leading a support group. Um, or rather, no, that came after it. Sorry, let me get that fact straight. Um, I did a play, and I was asked to do a, a drama for church and uh, to share about abuse. And uh, the whole theme was on healing, inner healing. And um, so I, I did this play, and, and it was like somebody had written it like from my journals. I was like, what the heck's going on here? Are you sure you want me to be in this play? And a dear friend of mine who knows me super well and had uh, walked through that sexual abuse story with me, she's like, Crystal, I really feel like this is something that you need to share. And so we actually rewrote a bit of the script to be actually my story. And there was two services at church. And uh, the first service, I bawled so much, snot was flying out of my <laughs> nose. Like it was, it was, um, it was really lethargic, really healing. Um, to just be able to share my story. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if I could. I, I, was, I actually told the director, I was like, hey, if, if I just freeze up or something, because he knew my story, he knew that this was like true of, of my uh, real life, not just a play. Um, I said, you know, if, if, it, if it goes sideways, just cut the lights and take me off the stage. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I just, I made it through the first service and just, absolutely spent um, with tears.
And then uh, everybody was like, wow, you really get into your acting. And I was like, you have no idea how real, <laughs> how real this, is. this is. And then um, the second service is like when all my friends were there and it was more packed. And uh, I was like, oh, and I remember somebody, one of the pastors actually saying to me, oh, you're going to have a hard time crying for the second one because you just spent it all on the first. And I, um, and I thought, you have no idea. Like I can... I can cry on a dime with this stuff. Like you have, you have no idea like how much this is impacting me. And then I was realizing how much healing had happened in that first service. Wow. Like it was literally like I li- like I, I just laid myself out before people, and uh, and I was like, oh, I actually feel a sense of wholeness inside. And um, so I, I started arguing with the Lord. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, you got to help me cry. Like, I, like you know, this is my real, real story, but this has got to help. Like, I got to, like, it's got to be good because it's going to be preached on and then people need to hear and, and have healing themselves. And, and he's like, and all I, I, you know, like people are like, oh, does God talk to you? But like, I hear, I don't hear him audibly, but I know in my spirit, um, have you ever had like where you just feel like he's talking to you, right? Like, yep. yeah. And so I, I felt like he was saying, well, you got to share your story. And I was like, I am sharing my story like this. We rewrote the whole script. This chunk of it is mine. Like I'm telling the story. He's like, no, you got to tell your story. And I'm like, I am telling this. I literally was arguing with him in my head as I stepped out onto stage to start the first part of the, the scene. And up till this monologue that I have where literally that's my actual story. And when I got to that moment, I heard me, Crystal, say out loud, this is me, Crystal Sharon, this is, this really happened to me. And then, and I was like, what did I just say? (laughs) And, and, and the, the director was upstairs and he was like, oh my gosh, she's really struggling. Should I cut the lights or like, you know, and the guy that was beside me doing the scene with me, he was kind of like, had the deer in the headlights look like, oh no, we're going down here. Because <laughs> I told him like, just like finish it or do something and get me off the stage if I like start to lose it. And then I somehow got into the monologue and the, and then, but it was like, it was like actually me sharing it. And I was, and then I, like cried again but it wasn't the same cry because I had healed the first service and then this service was me really truly being vulnerable and sharing and um yeah and anyhow a friend of mine in the in the um in the church she was in the audience and she came backstage I had three really good friends join me backstage and and one of them was a police officer and she said Crystal it's time and uh so I knew that meant was like to go and and actually share my story with the police and so that opened up another can of worms that was uh, I wasn't really ready for or I thought I wasn't you know but in what way well I mean when you share it um when you share with the police you have to write a statement in that you have to write details and uh that was that felt ugly to share those details um specific things that happened that I remembered and um so that was scary, you know, like yeah. you, you, um, very, I felt very vulnerable. Um, but I, I, what happened as a result of all of that service, there was, I had men and women come up to me like, oh, that happened to my, my wife, that happened to my, 
my mother that like men were sharing and I had women come to me that happened to me or that happened to my daughter um <clears throat> and then uh pastor Nancy came up to me and she's like well you opened up a can of worms I was like me you're the one who told me to do to share this and and um she's like what are you gonna do about it and I was like oh man um lord what am I gonna do about it and I about a month later I was in Redding California and I walked into a conference and uh and right in front of me was this woman who uh she she does inner healing ministry and she specifically deals with um you know sexual abuse and and um her book called dancing on the graves of your past was right there she was standing there and I met her and I was like whoa like can we go for coffee like I think that this material is something I need to bring back to my church I told her the story what had happened and and she's like yeah let's meet so we met and the material was perfect and I I read through her stuff and got more healing and uh, ended up bringing her to Canada and uh, doing a, a workshop weekend with her uh, teaching and and uh, people were like, oh, men aren't going to come. And and men came. And, oh, oh you're only going to get, like, maybe 30 people. And, like, we had 80. And, like, you know, like, and yep. and the church was like, we don't have a budget for this. And I was like, okay, so you have to do all the fundraising. And I was like, Jesus, you need to help me. <laughs> like, how do you bring, like, a speaker from the States and put on a whole weekend? And so, but all the money came in. And wow. we put on even food. And out of that came a small group. And I got to lead that with another girl who actually her and I started our inner healing journey together. And, um, and now we're full circle helping other people in the journey of healing from sexual abuse. So it was really beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that was a really cool part of my journey and story. And, uh, I mean, I, I feel like I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Can but, I go back to, yeah. um, okay. Two things. Yeah. Um, okay. So, the i the idea of talking to the the police, mm -hmm. which would be scary. Yeah, it was. Um, and you did that. Uh, I want to say courageously, like that yeah, obviously was the best to do. Um, did it ever cross your mind mm -hmm. in your younger years, even um, if you like, could you have talked to the police? What did did you just right. feel like that was way too scary when you were younger, and this finally brought you to the the appropriate time to speak to the police? Yeah, I didn't have the strength or courage to do it earlier without, like, there, there's, like, I feel like there's processes and everybody processes differently, but I had, there was so much shame for me that um, I even felt like to go to the police, like, oh, you know, like, will I get blamed or whatever, you know, I was, I was a little girl, it wasn't yeah. my fault. But the way that you're but thinking, even my, what you're saying right yeah. now is the way so many things so I'm so Absolutely. glad you're speaking these thoughts out loud yeah and so I mean and then when you grow up like not growing up with my my dad not being there to speak identity into me and you know now thankfully we have like a decent relationship and but you know like we're, we're, we're friends he's not my dad and we've talked about that I'm not saying anything that um he he doesn't know um, but like he didn't get to father me, you know yeah. but the Lord fathered me and I I needed him to I needed to be able to trust the Lord that I could be safe to share the story. And um, so, and thankfully that friend, the police officer that I shared with was a dear friend who is also a Christian woman. And, and she was very gentle with me and um, she took the statements. 
um, and and then um, and then the sexual assault unit called and, and by then I like once you share it a few times and once you um, you let the story be told it, the shame starts to fall off the secrecy falls off yes. then, right you get empowered and you um, you feel like oh okay I, this isn't something that is so um, uh, needing to be boxed in and held, you know, I don't, I don't have to do this alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm super thankful that, um, you know, and I'm even thankful that my sister didn't have to grow up in that. Like, I know she had her own challenges being given up for adoption, but she didn't have to be around that abuse, you know? So, uh, kind of a, a lot of restoration and reconciliation that has really happened in my life with, with like just being restored back to um, relationship with my dad, being restored back to relationship with my sister, being restored from the sexual abuse. And um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know, I just feel like I could not have, I know a lot of people who go to inner healing and self-help groups and uh, I've, I've met those people and they're wonderful, dear people who get a measure of help. But without, I, I honestly feel like without the Lord, like it, it only can go so far when, with yes. your, with your own strength, your, and even, but you need people like God gave us people yes. and he wants us to not just do it with only him, but he wants us to have that community around us, but he doesn't want to be left out of the process either. Like he didn't sexually abuse me. He didn't make that happen. He did. And as a matter of fact, I remember having um, visions and dreams about where, where were you God in all of that? You know, a lot of people would want to blame God for their sexual abuse, but I, I saw him in it. Like I saw him protecting me from things that could have been worse than what they were, Wow. you know, and, and healing me from what happened. Cause no matter what in this life we have, it says in scripture that we will have trials and tribulations that, but take heart, you know, God is with us. I, I, um, I just, I kind of, I remember a friend of mine, I asked her to do a, to do a prophetic painting for me one time because I really saw, I got, sorry, I'm kind of a little bit over the, all over the place in this story, but I'll back up a little bit. I got to be a part of a, a workshop called the voice, what was it called? The Voices and Faces Project. And it was a, a citywide project. It wasn't a faith-based project. Everybody who was um, wanting to be there, though, were victims of sexual abuse. Wow. And I, I, uh, I learned a lot in that time. And the Lord just showed me that, and that what I loved about, um, you know, um, my friend's book on Dancing on the Graves of Your Past, she talks about um, being a victim versus being a survivor versus being an overcomer. And, you know, we don't want to be... Um, stuck in victim mode. I was a victim at one point. And then I became, and, and in that, you know, in that I, I was hanging on, I was surviving with every, with every skill that I, a little six, seven year old could have. And then, mm. and then growing up with that, um, trying to hold on to skills to, to just manage that abuse um, and that trauma is um, something that you don't get taught every day. Mm. And so, um, but what happened was then I realized with, with the Lord that you can become not just a survivor, but an overcomer. A victor. Yeah, victorious over all of that pain, you know. Victor. 
to sorry victim, victim to, to victor. victor yeah yeah and and when i was sitting around that round table with all those wonderful women who were sharing their story and there's a couple men as well um and i realized that i the difference between me and many of the people around the table was that i carried god and i got to share a little bit and um i saw all this in a picture of a painting and it was um a black canvas like just Everything dark, 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 just like my past. Dark, awful, yucky, gross, black, blah. Sexual abuse, abandonment, blah, 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 all of it. Poverty, you name it, whatever. As many people have all their blah, it was just black. And then I saw moments in my life where the Lord came and he showed me his love. He showed me his compassion. He showed me he was there. He gave me provision. And, the, and over top of the black canvas were these bright splashes of color when he when he was there with me and I realized though something profound was that the color really popped out and really stood out against the darkness mm-hmm. like it it just kind of was that that contrast right and I don't want I don't wish ill on anybody I wouldn't yes. want anybody <clears throat> to go through sexual abuse because it's going to make you stronger no right but we all go through stuff and we can either be a victim or we can be a victor. And I, uh, I wanted to allow that mess, that garbage, that black blah of my past to become a message of hope and light. And I, I feel like, you know, I feel like that, that's been the case. I mean, I, there's moments that I have that I'm like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, but uh, they're less and less when it comes to... Um, you know, my past and, and it's more present day stuff that I have to navigate and manage, you know? I have a question. Yeah. <clears throat> um, just keep thinking about the word forgiveness. Mm-hmm. How, what was your process mm-hmm. for forgiveness? Because this is something yeah. incredibly difficult, uh, difficult, for, lo- yeah. like usually, um, I mean, how do you forgive somebody that has done that to you, right? Right. But as part of healing, forgiveness is part of the process. Yes. Not that you forgive that person and then you let them in your life and things happen all Not that, right? This forgiveness is very different. So what was your process of forgiveness like? Um, I would say like onion layers, you know, you peel a layer off at a time and, um, and the Lord's really gentle to only give you what you can handle for that moment in time. But like unforgiveness just really keeps me prisoner. It doesn't, I'm not, for me to not, oh, I'm going to hold this against you, da, da, da. It doesn't, the other person doesn't even give a rip. They, if they would have give a rip, they wouldn't have done it in the first place. Yes. Right? Like, yes. so... Like, it's not, I'm not holding anything over anybody by not choosing to not forgive them. But when I, when I choose forgiveness, it sets me free. I'm the prisoner who's in the cage otherwise, like, being held captive by, like, not only did that person, persons do those things to me, but, um, but then, then I keep myself captive by, by that, that's yucky. And so when you start to realize that forgiveness 
is necessary because it, it sets you free, the person, like, it, it gives you freedom, then you are more ready to give it, you know, um, and it doesn't mean that you forget. No, you don't no, no, have no. to forget. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, but it does it no longer has power over you. You don't like, you don't have to let it put you down, rule over you. Like, yeah, I, there's a lot of really good words that I wish that would come to mind right now to say about that. But um, maybe just the simplicity of it is that um, forgiveness sets me free when I choose to forgive and it can set you free when you choose to forgive. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and also, um, I mean, if you want to bring back to God, I mean, he asks us to forgive, he, he, but he doesn't ask us to do something without giving us the grace to do it. Yes. Right. I mean, think of all the things that people have done wrong to the Lord and yet he chooses to forgive us all the time. And people can say, well, he's God. Yeah. But he's inside of me when I asked to invite him into my heart and I've got, a relationship, a connection with him, a, a covenant with him. I, I have access to everything that, of who he is. And so because he chooses to forgive, I can forgive. And so that was a little bit of my process. It, it's a little bit um, spirit, emotion, mind, body. Like you have to let go in, in layers and all of those aspects. And I found, I actually, I think... I don't know for sure, but I would think probably my body has been the last to let go. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's just because, you know, you're, you learn stuff. You hear psychologists, you hear Christian counselors, you hear pastors, you hear people, people like Brené Brown, and they teach on the shame and this and that. And, and um, you get a lot of head knowledge of what to do. But... If, if it doesn't connect with your heart, your emotions, and you can actually truly follow through with it, um, then it's kind of a, you know, just a thought. It's not really, you know, but it's a process, right? Our, we, what we think um, does release into us. And when we declare it, it comes out of our mouths, it becomes something that I think then our, our whole being starts to pick up on. Um, I say my body last because, you know, muscle memory and, and things that you store that you don't realize until, you know, maybe somebody says something to you a certain way or touches you a certain way and you're like, hey, you know, like, you know, oh, yeah, I, I mean, oh, I, yeah, you your body stores the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Trauma yeah, in different huge... places, but I mean, the nervous system mainly, right? So yeah. Yeah. And you're a good that, expert on that one. Yeah. That affects everything. Yeah. Yeah. I've been super thankful to have a lot of healing from trauma the last couple of years and, you know, going through the, the COVID pandemic and uh, there's been some really great, you know, our friend Jen Panis, she has a great teaching on trauma and, and I just really have gleaned a lot from her and different ones. Um, I, I love the material from, you know, Brené Brown and like there's experts in their fields, yeah. but then uh, when you bring it with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and he just kind of all of a sudden pinpoints something and says, hey, you know, um, you, uh, you responded a certain way when, when uh, um, I'm just trying to think of, there was a, there was a, something I'm trying to even think when you, you gave me a massage one time as you're in your practice there. And, and I was like, just felt this sense of like healing come over me. Like, oh, I didn't realize I was carrying tension in my body in that area 
and uh, it was something that a comment or something that was made and I made the association of like oh that was connected to abuse for me and I was able to let let it go wow. you know it's it's been really cool just little stuff you know even I have a um, an acupuncturist who is not a, a believer but she's a physiotherapist acupuncturist and um, I suppose some Christians have differences of opinions on that but uh, she doesn't practice in a spiritual sense so it's scientific for her and I um, I just remember her saying like hey you need to um, you need to just breathe this one through and and uh, and I don't know where I'm going with that thought process, but uh, it, the point was is there was some healing that happened and I was making associations with my healing journey and the trauma that I was processing with counseling and uh, all of a sudden like, oh, I noticed shifts in my actual body and healing that has come. I also noticed a lot of sickness over the years and as a result of the, all the trauma that I've gone through and the loss and the, and the abuse and, and um, so... I've carried it in my body and it's come out and I've had my fair share of surgeries and and um, sicknesses to overcome and uh, sometimes that, that alone can be a, um, a real difficult thing to go through but but um, I really I really love that scripture that says with Christ all things are possible yeah amen. you know so um, I would like to pray for you yeah um, and for those of you that are listening, mm. if you need pieces of this prayer, yeah, receive it, take it, yeah, and then Crystal's gonna pray for you, our listeners, mm. and the same thing, just take it and receive it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. I wanted to say before we pray. Mm-hmm. that um, in the beginning of your story and you were talking about when you were conceived you mm-hmm. know, at this party yeah immediately what came to my mind was for I know the plans I have for you mm-hmm. you know in Jeremiah yeah. and like God chose you as yeah. such a blessing yeah. to be here yeah. you know and Fulfill plans of his yeah. for you yeah. and for others. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this time together. And I thank you for Crystal. And um, I just thank you so much for her courage and her vulnerability. And Lord, I just want to cover her in love, mm. in safety, in support. And I pray, I, well, I ask, Father, just for um, just a shield mm-hmm. around her uh, and that you will be her rear guard and uh, just a lion that is roaring over her, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I thank you for all of the healing that you have already done over her. I thank you for um, the different just just forgiveness. Mm. Um, I thank you that she has stepped out of shame. She stepped yeah. into the light, Lord. And it's just like when your light shines on, on people that have been hidden in shame and just stuck, 
they break free when your light shines on them. And so I thank you that crystal is right now shining the light you shone on her on, on, uh, on for others too. Mm -hmm. And, um, I thank you for your healing and I pray for more healing. And I actually ask father that, um, she was talking about her body, you know, mm -hmm. and the things that it has even recently been suffering. Um, mm -hmm. I just pray in Jesus name that any residual trauma, that has been left or hiding, you know, mm. sneaky in there in a sneaky way. Just that residual trauma will yeah. fall off of crystal in mm. Jesus name. And we just ask for complete freedom, mm. freedom over her mind, freedom over her body, freedom over every organ in her body and that you have made her 100% whole in Jesus name. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. And God, I thank you for everyone who's listening and just um, thank you for the opportunity that Jessica gave me to share. Um, I know it kind of uh, probably flip-flopped all over with my story, but I pray it makes sense for the people who are listening and the heart connections that need to happen with your spirit and their spirit for the healing that they need. Um, that something in my story would ignite them with hope, yeah. with courage, that they too can be vulnerable, um, that they too can reach out and get the help that they need. We thank you, God, for um, your Holy Spirit is the great counselor and that you counsel us well. I thank you for all the times that you directed me to whether it be a sexual support group or um, even just connecting again with my dad and my sister and meeting them and meeting their families and all the strength and courage that I needed to go through um, meeting a whole bunch of people that I don't know and yet they're part of my own flesh and blood and 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 just how how much uh, joy that brought but uh, also just you gave me the strength to deal with the trauma and I I pray God that you also would just be with every listener who has their own story what, whatever trauma story they have, whatever um, dark black background they have, that you would begin to splash your beautiful, um, glorious, colorful light on them. And it'd be a, a, a picture of such beauty. And you would take their mess and make it a beautiful message. You would take their, um, their story of, of victimhood and bring them into victory. You would just bring them from one place of, of uh, unwholeness to a place of wholeness, God. It, you would just, as, as scripture says, we go from glory to glory with you. And I just thank you that you, you've got people in, in their own journey of healing and it is like an onion layer. And I just pray you give them strength and courage to keep going. And, um, that even, um, even in the, in the, in the midst of coming out of a pandemic where um, it seems like a lot of things got triggered for people and they're feeling really, uh, I've just heard a lot of people feeling really um, worn and and uh, like things kind of came to the surface. And we just pray that you would take that opportunity and um, just refine them, make them like gold. And I thank you for the um, beautiful podcast that Jessa has here and just pray that whoever needs to hear this would hear it and they would just um, the spirit of God would just minister to them right now where they're listening and 
you give them tools, whether it be uh, counseling services or um, a book or a passage of scripture, just even um, something in nature that gives them a sense of your peace and your presence and your hope. Uh, just speak to the, to the people right now and, and bring them into healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One last question. Yeah. As you are standing here today, mm-hmm. what could you say to a woman right now or mm-hmm. even a young girl right mm-hmm. now who is afraid to take steps of healing or who is afraid even to take their yeah. story to the police? What is just one thing you could leave in terms of encouragement for them? Um, you're not alone. And, um, and even though it's scary, it's worth it to get um, healing. So do whatever it takes to, to get that. And uh, ask Jesus to help you. And he'll take you every step of the way that you need to go. Yeah. Okay. Again, thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah. Like, yeah. My you're, pleasure. You're so beautiful. Thank you. And, um, yeah, God bless everybody for listening. And um, not for listening. That sounds rude. <laughs> God bless all of our listeners.